Have out your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. When you get to 1 Corinthians, go to 2 Corinthians. <laughs> We're in 2 Corinthians, alright? Ah, but listen, uh, glad to be down here. Glad to have the opportunity. It's going to be a different kind of meeting. I'm sure you probably are aware of that. Um, we're doing kind of a drug awareness meeting, um, which is going to be a bit different. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, uh, some stuff in the scriptures as well, but we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about the truth about drugs. I'm going to talk to you about different drugs, the new drugs and kind of what's happening in our communities out there. You know, uh, on your slides leading up to me getting up, you're talking about reaching your community. You're talking about training for soul winning. A big part of the needs of your community is people in addiction. And I know you have a heart for uh, reaching out to people like that, and that's that's what a church needs to be doing. So we're just going to, I suppose, upscale you a little bit, give you some information about the different drugs and what's going on in your community at, at this present time. Um, but what we'll do is uh, we will open in prayer, and uh, and then we'll get into... We'll get into the slides and into the scripture. Second Corinthians chapter four. We're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter four. Um, I bring greetings from uh, my family there. Uh, we had, Claire has them well all week. Uh, would you believe I spent the whole day earning the other day? Uh, the whole day. Uh, I was thinking uh, this would be easy, um, but uh, I, I took the day off to look after the family. Ended up earning all day, cooking dinners and all that. Who knew that went on in a home with kids? Uh, certainly not me, because I'm normally out all day. But uh, that's what happens in houses, so it was a shock to me. Um, hardest day's work I've had in a while. Um, but uh, family are all doing well. Uh, keep praying for us. Uh, New Hope's doing well. Uh, obviously, that's one thing to always be mindful of, that, that uh, we would see the guys that come in there uh, saved and, and really going on for God. It's always a struggle and always always a, an issue. So uh, be in prayer for us. But before we get started in our own meeting tonight, let's pray. Father in heaven, I do pray, Lord, that you would help me to speak. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help the, the folks here to understand and, Lord, to get something from the meeting tonight. I just pray, Lord, that you would go before us, that you would help us to uh, learn of you tonight. Holy Spirit of God, would you speak to hearts and, and lives. And I just pray, Lord, that we would have a hope that things might be bad out there in the streets, but things can be good in the church house, and, and you can make the difference in any life. And we just pray, Lord, that that reality uh, would be there for us in the church tonight. Uh, Lord, we give you the, the glory for what you're doing, saying the meeting, and we just ask, O oh God, for your presence to be felt amongst us now. In Christ's name, amen. All right. So uh, just to give you the reality of where things are at in Ireland, these are Irish statistics uh, from uh, the past year. Um, the guards have seized 2.2 million euro in cash, they have confiscated 456 firearms, 93 cars have been seized. There has been 22,000 armed checkpoints. They're just not your normal checkpoints, they're armed checkpoints. Um, 3.8 million in the banks frozen from people selling drugs and, and crime. Uh, 2 million in tax recovered. I want you to look at the big one up top. 67 million euros worth of drugs have been seized in Ireland uh, in the past year. Now that's a lot, okay? That's a that's a lot of money. Uh, that's a lot of a lot of stuff. And um, that's the type of thing that I suppose communities are dealing with. And sometimes if you if you you don't see that, um, you're kind of oblivious to it. But there's many housing estates and many communities out there in our country. Uh, including my own, that this is very real, that, you know, drug use is very real, crime is very real, um, and, you know, that creates, obviously, massive problems uh, in the people that we're trying to reach, and it's just a, a huge issue. So I suppose that's a stark reality of what's happening in Ireland uh, currently. Um, so things are pretty, pretty bad, okay? Things aren't getting better. Uh, you know, if they seized 67 million euros worth of drugs, that's what they caught. I want you to think of how much actually got in. Because they never, they hardly catch anything. So if they've caught 67 millions worth, how much is out there on the streets been sold? And I want you to think about this for a minute. Where do the addicts get the 67 million that they would have spent on those drugs? 
off the dole. <laughs> That's true. But uh, but also, they have to steal for it. Isn't that true? They have to steal for it. They have to sell drugs for it sometimes. And listen, you know, it's always wrong to do wrong, but I, I have a, you know... Uh, I understand when an addict has to has to sell to feed his habit. That's just what he's going to do. It's kind of what's going to happen. Um, but any addict can be helped, and that's where we're going tonight. Um, so that's what's happening in Ireland um, at the moment. But we're going to start in 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at the first five verses. The Bible says this. It says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, uh, but the manifestation um, of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4 is really key, so I want you to look there. In whom the God of this world, who's that talking about? Who's the God of this world? See, that's a little g God that's talking about the devil. Uh, and whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants uh, for Christ's uh, sake, for Jesus' sake. Um, so when you're coming to deal with um, people in addiction and people doing the stuff that we just talked about a, a couple of minutes ago, it's really important that you understand the reality. The devil has his hand in all this kind of stuff that we're talking about in the drugs. Look at verse 4. It says, he has blinded the minds. Now, we're going to talk a whole lot about people's minds when we're going through the different drugs. But I want you to think about drugs and alcohol. What do they do to your mind? They destroy your mind. They mix up your mind. They keep you in a sense, under a cloud. And, you know, uh, that's one of the tools of the devil. It's not the only one, but certainly one of the tools of the devil is to blind the minds, and, and drugs and alcohol are one of the tools that he uses. So the reality is out there on the streets that, you know, addiction, you know, is increasing in our communities, in our society. Children are using substances for the first time younger and younger. You know, um, you know, it's kind of what they get drawn to. Uh, you know, when you have drug dealers making a lot of money in communities and young fellas see the drug dealers going around with nice cars and nice clothes and nice shoes and it's very appealing for a young fella to start doing this and getting involved in it. So it's, it's a huge, huge problem uh, in our community and often we're blinded uh, to the real uh, one behind addiction and uh, certainly the devil. And we're deceived into thinking when, when, when somebody starts off taking drugs when they're young, I know I was very young and I started off taking drugs, I never thought they would affect me the way they did. I never thought they would cost me in the sense what they cost me. I thought I would be able to handle it and I would be able to take it or leave it. And you see, that was the deception that I bought in. What did the devil do when he came to Eve? He deceived her, deceived Adam and Eve. You know, and that's what he does when he comes to us and offers us sin. And addiction is just sin according to the Bible. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. Uh, it's just a breaking of God's law. It's just sin. But for us, we get drawn into it, and, and lots of people get drawn into it, and they never think it's going to cost them uh, what it cost them. I mean, you think uh, if, if you've ever smoked before, and maybe you're still smoking today, and it's a struggle for you, and listen, I understand I used to smoke. And um, when somebody first starts off smoking, what, what do they think? Ah, it's just not a big deal. Everybody does it. The kids at school are doing it. You're probably sneaking around for it. And, uh, you know, you're, you're doing it. You never think you're going to get addicted to it, in a sense. It just kind of creeps up on you, doesn't it? kind of just catches you, and you're not thinking about it. And then you realize you're addicted, and the amount of money you spend, and you know the dangers, but you still go ahead and go and, and smoke them and stuff like that. And, you, you get caught in that trap, and it's a very hard trap to get out of. You know, um, we're going to talk about different drugs. We are going to get to nicotine and stuff in a while, um, but there's four main classes of drugs, and i got to move fast because there's a lot to see, all right? Uh, there's four main classes of drugs. Um, there's depressants, stimulants, hallucinogens, and opiates, okay? So they're the four main classes of drugs. And all the different drugs that people would take, including alcohol and all that kind of stuff, would fall into those four categories of drugs. Um, 
and uh, you know, they're, they're, I suppose they're, you know, they suit different people sometimes. Like if you have a personality that's kind of a downer personality, you know, things like the presence will actually suit your personality. Um, so sometimes depending on somebody's outlook on life, depending on what drugs they kind of get caught up in and taken. Um, but we'll move on. What do drugs do to the brain? Because that's important. And remember, what does God call our brains? Call, what's the Bible call it? Our heart, isn't it? And all, what God's wanting you to do is he's wanting you to be careful with your heart. And drugs mix up. They slow down. They speed up. They mix up and they block your thinking, okay? And, you know, if that's why when somebody's on drugs for a long time and then they come off drugs, oftentimes emotionally and mentally, in a sense, they haven't developed past the age of when they started taking the drugs in a, in a serious way. So you suddenly have this guy coming out of addiction. He started his addiction when he was a young teenager, never really grew up. He comes off drugs. He's been on them for 15 years, and he comes off them, and he actually doesn't know how to live life. He doesn't know how to deal with emotions. He doesn't know how to deal with disappointments. He doesn't know how to deal with, you know, things being just going well in his life. And, you know, what he does is he, he goes back to what he, what he knows often, and that's, you know... Uh, what that's drugs oftentimes. So really important that you understand the different drugs do different things to you. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of get into that. Um, you will have heard about gateway drugs, different substances that I suppose lead people into taking other stuff. And I speak in schools, and I'm, I'm in a school next in March, and I have to speak to three groups of 60 kids. All right, So it's a lot of kids during the day. Now, when you go in and speak to kids, one of the things you can't say is, if you ever start smoking, you're going to end up a heroin addict and in the gutter. Okay? Because is that true? No, it's not true. Okay? Because not everybody that smokes a cigarette ends up a heroin addict. All right? But can they? Yes. You know, uh, that's where a lot of people that start down that, that road, you know, uh, that's where they started off with, with smoking. You know, Smoking is one of those gateway things. Most people, when they start off taking a substance, the very first substance they will take is nicotine. They will smoke. The very first drug that somebody will steal for, because they don't buy them normally, they steal their first one. It's the very first drug they'll do with their friends, because they never do it alone. If you, you know, most people, when they're smoking for their very first time when they're a kid, they do it with their buddies, don't they? You do it with their friends. Do you remember doing that? You're on the back of the sheds or whatever you were doing it. Some of you are thinking back to that moment now and you are giggling because it was uh, what it was like. Um, smoking, it's the first drug that you get a buzz off. Do you remember getting the spinnies when you took your first drag of your cig- first cigarette? Your head is spinning. Um, and it's the first drug you do in a peer group. So it really is a gateway drug, although we don't see it as that way. Uh, up in New Hope Residential Center, we do have a rule, no smoking. And it's because of that. And it's also because of you know, um, when you're when you have people that are rolling cigarettes and and rolling tobacco, you know, if they've been a weed smoker, or a cannabis smoker, that's what they will have done to get themselves ready for smoking cannabis and weed. So smoking would just be a huge trigger for them, uh, and the fact that it's killing you. That it doesn't lie on the box when it says smoking kills. That that's true. Okay, so smoking is the, one of the first ones that people will do. Normally, the route goes from smoking, and then somebody will try alcohol, uh, and normally young. And we have a strange relationship with alcohol in Ireland. You know, it's invited to all our social events. It's invited to all our weddings, funerals, you know, uh, any any family celebration that's going on in, in Ireland. Normally, alcohol gets invited along, and, and normally is the main person at it. Um, but it's a hugely damaging drug. Now, alcohol is not classified as a drug, okay? But it is a drug nonetheless. But if it was to be classified as a drug, like heroin is a, a class A drug, cocaine is a class A drug, uh, you know, amphetamines would be a class B drug, ecstasy would be a class A drug, uh, cannabis would be a class C drug, but alcohol doesn't work like that. But if alcohol was brought out today, it would be a class A drug, okay? And, and, and we wouldn't promote, obviously, any any drinking. I'm against drinking in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm against drinking for medicinal purposes. 
uh, if you're dying on the street and you're going to die, I'll gladly pour a bottle of whiskey down your throat because uh, I have a verse that tells you I can do that in the book of Proverbs. But outside of that, I don't think you should be drinking uh, unless you're, you're on your deathbed, okay? Um, but you know what? I, I you know, um, Many times in the past few years, I've used alcohol myself uh, to clean my hands and stuff like that, alcohol. Uh, but uh, it has its uses but I don't think one of them uses is, is for drinking for a buzz, okay? Uh, I think anything that changes your mind changes the way you think, uh, changes the way God made you to be, and uh, ultimately you are going against uh, you being a created being. So I think it's uh, it's wrong to drink. Happy to do Bible studies on that with anybody that thinks otherwise. Um, but these are normally the gateway drugs. Then often they lead into cannabis, uh then ecstasy and heroin. Now again, lots of people will smoke and never do anything else. Some might do alcohol, never do cannabis. But for those that end up here, that's normally the pattern of how they ended up here. Okay, that's normally the pattern. Um, so uh, when you're looking at doing a study on on anything in the Bible, uh, studying and using the law of force mention is often a helpful study to do. Let me just skip down um, and get past it. You know, uh, if you turn to Genesis 3, turn over in your Bible to Genesis 3. We're going to read uh, 3, 1 to 7. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle uh, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So he asked her a question. Did, can you not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, Wait, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God did know on the day that you will eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the tree uh, to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave unto her husband, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they uh, sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons, all right? So here we have the first temptation. And, you know, you have to understand, people don't take substances and get involved in any kind of addiction or substance misuse. Um, you know, they don't, just get involved, they don't just get involved in it. Oftentimes, it's just temptation that comes with it. And, you know, if you look at what Satan says, what the serpent says... Um, in verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So what's he saying? The consequences aren't going to be what everybody's telling you. This isn't a big deal what you're about to do. This isn't going to cost you much. This isn't a big deal. Don't mind what anybody else has told you. Uh, it's not a big deal. And, uh, you know, when somebody's getting involved in the when they're young teenagers and there's peer pressure there and they're getting involved in drinking or smoking or whatever it might be, do you know what the devil's in the year as well? And he's doing exactly what he's done to Eve and he's telling them, listen, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not going to cost you anything. You're better than this. You're not going to get addicted to this. It's not going to be what that Leighton Kelly fella said. You can easily take a drink and it won't cause you any problems. And you're being deceived. And the young person's being deceived and they're foolish and naive and young uh, and they, they don't know that it's going to cost them. There's nobody in school right now thinking to themselves, you know, when I grow up, I want to be an addict. There's nobody like that. You know, they all get deceived into it. And they, they take small steps of compromise in their lives down the road. And before they know, before they realize, they're caught up in it and they can't get out of it. Um, you know what? We, we done uh, uh, Adam in, in, uh, in men's retreat a few years ago. And I wonder... If Adam and Eve, if they could go back to this this story and this situation, how they would have done things differently. You know what? If they had just had somebody that had been there before and been able to tell them, listen, this happened to me, it maybe would have helped them. 
So there's deception involved in it. What are the most dangerous drugs? Well, the most dangerous drugs that you will get in Ireland uh, are kind of the, the, the mainstream drugs. That would be heroin, ecstasy, and cocaine. Right? They would be three class A drugs. Um, and, you know, there's a huge heroin problem in Ireland. Um, and we have a big, huge methadone program that, that is a heroin substitute for that the government give out for people that are addicted to heroin. Um, the, the plan is never to get them off the methadone. The plan is always to keep them stable on it. They are not trying to detox people at the moment. They are just trying to keep them on a maintenance so they never get off it um, because they're working from a harm reduction point of view, which means that they're not looking to get people off it. Okay, They're looking to keep people on it and keep them stable, and they believe that you can live, lead a normal life uh, if you're on methadone. Uh, I can testify to you that I don't think that's true at all. I think it's uh, I think it's a lie. I think if you're addicted to methadone, you will not be able to live a normal life. Uh, you might live a sense of a normal life for a time, but it always comes back around. I think the only way of of um, getting over an addiction is to actually be made free of it, not be just unable to keep on it. Um, so one of the first ones, there's a debate going around at the moment whether cannabis should be legalized. Um, now, uh, the debate's funny because, you know, what you'll find is when people are, uh, you know, talking about the debate, it's normally the, the stoner people that are looking to get things legalized. Um, you know, and, you know, if, if, uh, cannabis was legalized, uh, more people would take it. That's the thing. You know, knowing now what we know about alcohol, if alcohol was this new thing that came out and knowing now what we know about it, would we legalize it, do you think? Absolutely not. Why? Because it's destroyed so many lives in our, in our, in our country uh, for generations and generations. Well, cannabis isn't as harmful as alcohol, definitely. But it still is harmful. And it's still a danger. And it's still very dangerous. And you know, when I was a when I was a cannabis user back in the the olden days, uh, I used to smoke what was called hash, and it was a hard kind of substance that you would heat up, you would melt, and it would break off into little lumps, and you would put it in um, like a cigarette of tobacco, and then you would smoke it that way, or you could smoke it in a pipe. Well, that's still out there today, um, but you can buy what's called weed nowadays, and it's it's. It's fairly new. The past, you know, five or ten years or so, it's been sold. But the THC level in cannabis, when I smoked it, was about 5% THC. That's the drug that gets you stoned. Does anybody know what that drug is called? No? <laughs> yeah, it's tetrahydrocannabinol. Okay, so it doesn't matter what it is. We won't ask you to spell it. But it's called THC, and if I drug tested it today, you would show, and you were at the been smoking cannabis, you would show up for THC. That's the, the name of the drug. Well, the THC level in the drugs that are being sold now and the weed that's being sold now are about 35 to 45 percent THC compared to what they were when I used uh, cannabis years ago. You know, when I went into uh, you know Christian rehab back in the day in, in 2000, if somebody had to come into the drug rehab and uh, we're only there for smoking hash. To be honest, I would have laughed at them. Why? Because it really was seen as not a big deal. You know, it was seen as not a big deal. People that were in addiction just done it as a boy the way, not, not as a main drug. We see people coming in at the moment into New Hope, and the only thing that they're addicted to is cannabis, is smoking weed. And the huge devastating problems that they have um, because of it, and the psychological problems that they have from it are huge. So, what would you call, uh, you know, cannabis, marijuana, hash, skunk, pot, whatever? There's loads of different names for it. You can use it in a number of different ways. Uh, and you know what that is? It's called a bucket. <laughs> to be exact, it's a blue bucket. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the bottle in it, and that's a homemade um, device for smoking, uh, for smoking um, cannabis. Um, so people have all different ideas. P 
people will tell you that it's safer to, to not smoke it in a cigarette and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there's different things about it. There's some good and some bad about doing it either way. Uh, but what I would say is, you know, if you legalize something or decriminalize something, you make it okay. It's not a big deal. There's a whole lot of kids that will never take cannabis if it's illegal. But if it was legal, they would think it's okay to take and they would take it. So um, don't be deceived into thinking there's no consequences from making a decision to stop doing something. I want you to think for a minute, what's been a great rule they've, they've changed uh, in the past few years? Well, from my point of view, the smoking ban. Do you remember the smoking ban came in? And you used to be able to smoke in restaurants and all that, and you'd be sitting and having your dinner, and then the, the next table next to you would light up cigarettes, and they would be stinking, it would be horrible. Uh, well, I remember those days, and then they changed that law, and I thought, great, I can happily go into a restaurant, and I can sit down, and nobody next to me is going to be able to smoke cigarettes or anything like that. And I thought that was great. But you know what? That has had a consequence too. And the consequence to that is, it has driven people from drinking in pubs, to drinking at home. So the, the alcohol use uh, that we're dealing with now is much bigger than it was a number of years ago because people are drinking more dangerously at home because you go into a pub and you buy a measure of, let's say, whiskey. You get a measure for your three quid or, for, I don't know how much it is. <laughs> Probably a lot more than that. I don't know how much it is. Say a euro, okay? It's a euro. But... um you get your measure, but when people are drinking at home, they're just pouring out, and the drunker they get, the more they put in. So it's much more damaging levels of alcohol are being consumed. But when you are changing that rule about the smoking, although it had positive benefits to it, you didn't realize that the, the negative effects of it were going to be something different. And that's where we're at with alcohol right now. So alcohol is, is, uh, is increasing at the moment. Things aren't getting better with alcohol. The drinking um, habits are changing. Less people are going to the pub in Dublin, and uh, more people are drinking at home. Um, so then we have speed. Um, for those of you that are of an older generation, you probably went to the doctor back in the day and asked the doctor for something to help you, that you were needing uh, to do a bit more around the house or whatever, and he gave you what was amphetamines, but you didn't really know that. Um, uh, speed is uh, amphetamines, and you you take it, you can snort it, you can inject it, you can swallow it, you know, you can do anything with it, and it will give you a high, give you a burst of energy. Um, I suppose the name speed kind of tells you that, doesn't it? Um, it kind of gives you a boost. A lot of people, you know, when they go dancing and stuff like that, would use uh, amphetamines or speed. But it used to be given to, to um, a lot of housewives back in the day, uh, to give them a bit of energy for the housework around the house. But they wouldn't have known that at the time, okay? Um, and if you're still taking them and you're a housewife, you need to see me after the meeting tonight. <laughs> um, LSD. Now, I thought LSD is uh, is what we would call acid. These would have been called trips back in the day. Uh, and I used to take acid when I was a young teenager, really, really young, all the time. But it seems to be absolutely disappeared. I don't, I, I can't remember the last time I heard uh, or saw somebody was uh, on acid um, until a couple of months ago. I had a church in Scotland call me and one of our members in the church is, uh, is at the been taking lots of LSD and he needs help. So that was the first time I'd heard about it in years and years and years. So it's kind of a drug that's kind of gone. And there is, you know, I suppose there's fashion trends and drugs like anything else. And LSE isn't fashionable right now, but, you know, things change, I suppose, over time. Um, ecstasy, um, hugely problematic drug. Uh, why is it problematic? Because um, it's a dangerous drug. You can see all the different amounts of drugs here, yeah? They're all ecstasy, but you don't know what's inside either any of these. Now... That doesn't mean that you, you legalize it so that, you know, you know what's in them. Um, you just don't take them and then you, then you won't be, be affected by it. But you will hear every now and again on the news some people died after taking ecstasy. Uh, there's a number of deaths every year from it. Um, so it's a dangerous drug. Uh, you take it and after about 40 minutes or so, uh, for the next, you know, two hours to six hours, uh, you are like the, the name of an ecstasy. You are uh, high um, it will be used in a lot of nightclubs and stuff like that. Um, 
they will always have different logos on them. When you taste it, uh, it's a real stingy kind of taste to it. Uh, it really doesn't taste good. Um, but you can get all sorts of different stuff that's mixed up in them, um, which can be dangerous. So they're, they're usually a dangerous drug. Um, Bible says this, it says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know when God made you, he made you perfect? You mightn't think you're perfect when you look in the mirror, but you are perfect. You are who God made you to be. You think the way God made you to, to think. You know, if you're a bit slow off the mark, don't be too concerned. If you don't look the prettiest, uh, don't be too concerned. You are who God made you. And uh, that's the way, even in our minds, our minds are the way God made them. We need to keep them right and pure before Him. But you know what? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you go around and you take ecstasy or you take any of these different drugs that we're talking about tonight, what you're doing is you're messing up with that uh, that plan and process that God had made you uh, and you're wonderfully made and you're not going to improve on it. And everything we take to give us a high always comes with the opposite low. You know, that's the problem. You know, it always has consequences for us. So be real, real careful about what you're taking. Um, uh, you know, when you're taking something to just give you a, a pick-me-up. And, you know, we're looking at... There's been a lot of illegal drugs on the on the screen so far. But do you know that the most dangerous drugs can be the ones that are prescribed to you by a GP? Um, so we will talk about them in just a minute. Oh, here they are, prescription drugs. Okay, now, don't want you to go home and stop taking a medication around like that. I took medication today. Um, I, I take uh, tablets for blood pressure because uh, I'm stressed out. I just take tablets for blood pressure. That's what they have me on. Um, absolutely nothing wrong with certain medications. When we actually need certain medications is the reality. But there's a difference in some medications that they will be mood-changing medications. So in other words, you take them to feel normal or you take them to be happy or maybe you take them to sleep. Um, now, what my doctor says is nobody's ever died of a lack of sleep, have they? So he wouldn't prescribe any sleeping tablets. So if you know anybody that's died of a lack of the sleep, let me know, but I don't know anybody. Uh, so maybe cut out some of the, the, the pills that you're on. If you look at, at the packets on, on the pills, like Valium and stuff like that, that, that do be given out when people are you know, anxious or they're going through a tough time, they go on to pills, and oftentimes they can be on pills and never be able to get off them because they get used to the way the pills make them feel. And then to come off the pills, you have to go through withdrawals so you feel really down and upset and angry and you know, really low, but that will level itself out over time, but you actually need to go through withdrawals. If you look at the packaging and the information on a lot of the medication that people are taking for years, you will find that it tells you that they're only meant to be taken for six to eight weeks. Now, doctors prescribe them for a whole lot longer than that, for years and years and years many times, with no plan to get you off them. So be real careful about medications that change the way you feel. They're mood-altering medications because you will get used to the way they make you feel and then when you don't have them, you won't feel right. Okay? Remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And sometimes we just need a little bit of help uh, in order to, you know, move us along in life. And, you know, oftentimes problems are spiritual problems and if we were, do, uh, if we were doing better in our spiritual lives, we wouldn't have such a great need for uh, prescription medication to make us feel better. But that doesn't mean that people never need medication. Let me say that. So if you're taking medication today, don't feel guilty about it. That's not my intention. My intention is to make you think. Okay? Because we're not good at thinking often. We just, the doctor says, take them. What do we do? We take them. We go into the doctor and, uh, you know, if we don't leave a prescription in our hands, that doctor hasn't done a good job. Not true? You know, <laughs> that's the way it is. That's the way we think, especially if you're paying them. Can you imagine going in and paying the doctor 50 quid and he doesn't give you a prescription? The cheek of him. So he better he better write you up for something. Uh, but I just want you to think, why am I on this medication? How long have I been on it for? Why did I start on it in the first place? And when am I coming off and what's the plan for it? 
There's lots of different medications out there. I've been on Prozac, I've been on Effexor, I've been on antidepressants, antipsychotic medication. Uh, I've been on lots and lots of different types of medication. I've been a heroin addict in the past. I've been on methadone. Uh, I've done all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of different drugs and, and they change the way you feel. But the trend for prescription drugs, it's not decreasing, it's increasing. Nowadays when we have a problem, we don't talk about it. You know, there's less communication. Uh, if everybody looks in their hands and in their pockets, what do we all have? Phones, don't we? Tablets. Computers. We're on two Facebook and all those things. And we don't talk well with people. Oh, we can chit-chat on Facebook or whatever, but we don't really talk to people. But you know what? When we have a problem, rather than dealing with it and getting counsel about it and really, you know, uh, facing it down... It's an easy fix often to run to a doctor and get him to give you something that makes you feel happier. Okay? But it's not the answer. You gotta be careful with it. Um, this is a hugely dangerous drug that's at the moment and that's being pushed in all sorts of ways. It's called Lyrica or Pregabalin. It's, um, it's a drug that will be given for people with sore backs and different issues like that. They're giving it out for antidepressants at the moment. They're giving it for all sorts of things. And what you will get told when you're taking it is, that it's not addictive. Anything's addictive. If something changes, you know, biting your nails is addictive, isn't it? You doing anything for comfort can become addictive. Isn't that true? Anything at all. So don't don't be deceived into thinking there's no problem um, with uh, with things lyrica. They're also called buds. Um, but just. You know, sometimes you go into a doctor and the doctor tells you, and we always accept what the doctor says, always question why you're taking something, how long you're going to be on it, and what what the dangers or risks could be to it. You know, don't be just taking stuff because some doctor says take it. Um, get yourself in, in trouble that way. There's lots of antipsychotics out there that people are given. You know, I have people coming for assessments all the time and they're, they're on antidepressants, antipsychotic medication. And genuinely, when I ask them, so why are you on this? And normally the answer is, I don't know. You know, I was just, you know, the doctor put me on it. Well, sometimes it's because they were going through a hard time and the doctor wanted to help them and he gave them a medication to help them. Um, but then they're stuck on it and they get addicted to it and they actually need it then. It takes time to wean people off to drugs like that. Um, drugs like this should never be stopped taking straight away. You have to kind of wean down off them. So you have to reduce the strength of them. You don't just stop taking them. Uh, your body has built up a tolerance to them. Um, but people can get stuck on, on medication like this for, for years and years and years of their lives. Um, another drug that's that's still out there, solvents. That's people sniffing glue, aerosols, uh, petrol, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, there's a, still a lot of people doing solvents at the moment. You know, that hasn't gone away. Uh, it's still there. Um, GHB or ketamine um, is a is a drug, <coughs> and um, you know it's used as an anesthetic for animals. Um, so obviously, if it's meant to be for animals, it's probably wise if you don't take it. Okay, it's probably the best thing if you don't take it. Uh, cocaine. Um, Things have changed, I suppose, with cocaine. Cocaine has gotten a lot cheaper than it used to be. When I was an addict uh, in, in back in the um, in the in the nineties, uh, cocaine was really really expensive. It was that expensive; it was very hard to get. Um, nowadays, it's it's absolutely everywhere. You know, it's been used in pubs, it's been used in nightclubs all over Ireland, uh, so much so. Uh, I'm on the Drugs Task Force in Tala, and we've had reports in that people are openly using cocaine on the bar in the pub, on the actual bar. They're not even going into the toilets anymore to use it. They're using it on the bar, and they know, and they think it's okay. So we've changed the way people are doing it. You know, when they test notes, most notes come out that there's cocaine, traces of cocaine on them. <laughs> you know, so it's a hugely problematic drug. And the thing about cocaine is... It's seen as an okay, clean drug. And you will have people working jobs and they go drinking and 
you know, they snort a bit of cocaine at the weekend and then that's it. They don't take anything else for the following weekend. And it's socially acceptable and becoming more so. But it's a usually dangerous drug, okay? Um, and um, you can snort it, as you see there. You can inject it. You can, you can just swallow it. You can rub it on your gums. Uh, you can do all sorts with cocaine. Uh, usually, usually dangerous drug. Um, and hugely popular in Ireland. Um, then you have heroin. Um, heroin came into Ireland in the uh, 80s and started in Dublin. Um, and we had an epidemic in Dublin and then they set up all these methadone clinics and uh, basically the problem has been there ever since. So in Tala, there's no wine from Tala, um, in Tala, just... Just Tala alone, we have 800 people on methadone. 800 people just in Tala alone. And that means they go to a chemist or a clinic daily or weekly and they get a medication so they don't get sick from heroin withdrawals. Uh, it doesn't mean they stop taking heroin. Many people that are on heroin will still take other drugs to get a stone um, because just getting a, a drug to stop you from being sick so you don't go through withdrawals doesn't mean uh, it answers the question of you wanting to get stoned and you taking something for a buzz. So heroin's still a huge problem even today. But the most common abuse drug worldwide is alcohol. Okay? Uh, alcohol. It's a massive, massive problem out there. And, you know, it's... The government aren't serious about dealing with the problem of alcohol at all. Uh, I'm on the, like I said, I'm on Drugs Task Force in Tala. And it used to be called the Tala Drugs Task Force. Well, uh, last year the government changed the rules and what they said is now I want you to change the name of the Drugs Task Force to the Drugs and Alcohol Task Force. You know how much money they get and that's taken on the whole responsibility of alcohol uh, in, in Tala. Do you know how much money they gave us to do it? Zero. Okay? So you're taking responsibility for a whole host of uh, problems but not a single penny to do anything about it. So that shows you how serious they are about dealing with the problem of alcohol. Alcohol is, is, um, is one of those things, when they're, when they're making policies about alcohol, it's one of the only things where um, the actual, um, the, um, the breweries themselves will actually be in on making up the policies for alcohol, okay, with the politicians when they're doing them. And you will find that a lot of politicians actually own pubs themselves. So they're biased in the, in the argument anyway. But the actual drinks industry are in the room and they're making policies about alcohol. Um, and what they do is the policy might start off great. We had a great policy about alcohol a couple of years ago. But by the time it got passed, it was so watered down that there was hardly any changes on it. You know, they had things like, you know, uh, minimum pricing. They had things like block off alcohol so it can't be seen in the shops. I had things like no alcohol to be advertised to sporting events. Now I know that sporting clubs often need the revenue that comes from that, but nonetheless, it was a really strong document until it got through the group, and by the time it got through the group, it has to be signed off by some of them, and they're on, in the drinks industry, so they're not going to sign off something that's going to affect their, um, their outlook on making money. Uh, alcohol is a massive we have massive problems with, with alcohol. How, where do most people, when they take alcohol for the first time, where do you think they get it? Home. Parents. Uncles. At family events normally. Isn't that true? You know, um, and I remember growing up, and, you know, you'd be at christenings, or you'd be at a wedding, or something, and, you know, the, the, the young fellas would be there, and the uncles would be, you know, giving them a couple of sips of the beer and stuff like that. And, you know, getting a laugh out of them as they're falling around and stuff like that. You know, so it's not just something that we do. It's kind of part of our culture. And it's very hard to change anything like that. And, you know, but it can change. I mean, look how we smoking has changed. We have actually changed. Smoking has become, in a sense, a whole lot more unacceptable in the past few years than it ever has been before. Not true. You know, just our, our, the way we, we smoke, the way we don't smoke, I don't smoke, but the way that Irish people smoke is changing. And it can be the same with alcohol, but it's going to take a serious effort uh, by the government, which have no appetite to do anything about it. Um, but it's a, it's a hugely, hugely dangerous uh, drug, and the effects of it are massive in our community. Um, 
And, you know, it's when you do a debate on alcohol, you will hear people that there's a lot of jobs involved in alcohol. And that's true. Um, but just because there's a lot of jobs involved, it doesn't mean you actually benefit from it, is the reality. You know, every day there's 1,500 beds in hospitals that are occupied with people with alcohol-related problems. Um, the stats are always a number of years behind, okay? But alcohol-related discharges from hospital uh, cost $1.5 billion in 2012, which is equal to one euro out of every ten spelt uh, spent uh, in the in the hospitals uh, on health. So out of every tenner, a euro has to go for dealing with alcohol in the hospitals. Out of every ten euro. So I know there's a lot of jobs created from it and all that kind of stuff. We get a lot of tourism as part of it, but it's a, it's a hugely dangerous drug and it actually costs us more uh, than uh, than we ever get from it and revenue from that point of view. Um, and I will have, I'm sure, there's people in the room thinking, well, didn't Jesus turn water into wine? Okay? Did Jesus turn water into wine? Well, that's what the Bible says. Come on, Kathy, that's what the Bible says. We're Bible believers here. Okay? In the Bible, there's a number of different words used for wine. You know, if I was to say today, you know, um, you know, Weston down there, he looks awfully gay, doesn't he? What would I be saying? In a, in our in our culture, I'd be saying he, you know, what 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 we would take that to be. But back in uh, back when the Bible was turned to English, uh, I would be saying Weston looks very happy today. I don't know whether he's happy or not. Man, you know, were in the cup final and it was two two when we walked in here, and I haven't heard him saying aim for us. Oh man. <laughs> so <laughs> he's a Man United fan like me, and uh, I was I was hoping the service would be at seven o'clock tonight and not six, so the match would come in. So whoever scheduled this meeting, you nearly need to check the check the fixtures before you do the next one. Um, but Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus turned water into grape juice, I believe. Okay, but that's a bigger uh, bigger issue. The Bible does say that uh, that Paul turns around to Timothy and he tells him, "Drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake." Uh, you would never tell somebody with stomach problems to drink alcohol. As a matter of fact, one of the things they tell you to do if you have stomach problems is to not drink alcohol, all right? But they do encourage you to drink fruit juice. So the word wine in the Bible is, is a generic word. You can use it in a number of different ways, and there's a number of different words for it. So you need to read in context of what it's talking about, and also it takes a lot of study to do. So for another day, but not today, all right? Um, the Bible also says this, it says, lead us not into temptation. God will never lead you into temptation. He will never try to get you to stumble or fall, uh, and he certainly didn't do it uh, at the wedding in Cana. Uh, how sad would it be if Jesus' first miracle was to get everybody drunk? It's just not the way it was. The Bible says this, I preached on it last week in church, uh, wine is a mocker, Strong drink is raging, and whosoever deceived their boy is not wise. Okay? Um, who wrote that, you know? Proverbs. Who wrote that? Solomon. Do you know if you read the book uh, of um, Ecclesiastes, um, you're going to read about Solomon. And if you read down from chapter 1 and chapter 2, it tells you all the different things that Solomon went and he done to try to satisfy himself and to make himself happy in a sense. Well, you know one of the things he tried? Wine. Okay? You read it yourself. He went and he, he drank wine and he, he used wine and he wouldn't withhold it from himself and he basically tried to go down the road of drinking to find satisfaction in life. And you know what he found? He found it didn't work. And then he pens this and he says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is rage, and whosoever received there, boy, is not wise. He knows from his own personal experience that there's no hope in alcohol and he'll never find satisfaction in life in, in alcohol. You know, there's new drugs after coming out and I'm sure you are, are aware of some of them. You will have heard of the head shops back in the day. Uh, they're closed down in Ireland now. Um, but the, some of the drugs are definitely still available. You can order them on the internet, and they come and they come in the form of plant food and stuff like that. But they're new psychoactive psychoactive substances, MPS drugs. 
Um, and you will see the names. Look, El Blanco. What do you think that means? <laughs> okay. Um, and they come as all different things, but they're, they're basically just synthetic drugs. That means that they're man-made drugs, and they just change chemicals in them, and uh, and then they, they get by the law that way. But they're all illegal in Ireland, thankfully. Um, but that doesn't stop them coming in, and they just come in, you can buy them online. Um, usually problematic drugs. Um, a lot of people will in, inject drugs like this, and the thing is, they don't break down well, and, and it absolutely destroys their veins, okay? Um, here's some of the other names. And look, uh, Damnation, Exodus, Devil's Weed, uh, Annihilation. Um, so as you can see, that's really what they do to lawyers, to be honest. Um, Galatians 5, verse 20. Um, turn to Galatians 5 with me. Galatians 5. And uh, in Galatians 5.19 it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, and then it says witchcraft. Now when we think of witchcraft, we think of Harry Potter and all that kind of stuff. But the actual word for witchcraft is um, pharmakeia, and that's where we get our word pharmacy from. Okay? Pharmakeia. That's the word that's used there. And in Bible days, it was even used for, you know, uh, they would make potions and different things like that to change the way somebody was. You see in the old cowboy and Indian movies that the Indian chief will get them all in. He will give them something to drink and they all go and see Happy Land somewhere else. And that, do you remember that in the old cowboy films? That's what they were making. They were making stuff to get people uh, high. They were, that's what they used. They used different plants to do it. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. We looked at that at the start. For time's sake, we're not going to have time. 2 Timothy 1, 7. We're not going to go there. So what's the result of all these drugs and all this alcohol and, and all the problems that we're facing today? Well, it's just a downward spiral. It's not getting worse. It's not getting better. No matter how much money gets pumped into it, it's not going to improve it. Okay? And, um, you know, the reality is things aren't going to get better. Things are only going to increase People are looking for an escape from the reality of life often. They're hiding from pain in their own lives. They're looking to be happy. They're not finding satisfaction in life. And they're looking to be happy. You know, we looked at, um, you know, I, I didn't read about, let me read 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for God had not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And you know what? Oftentimes nowadays, you know, we, we don't seem to be able to find that sound mind. You know, we're looking in other places for it. You know, physically, you know, um, what drugs will do to you, they will affect you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, legally, financially, and socially. You know, uh, they're not, they don't just affect the one person that takes them either. Same with drinking and all that. It's not just you that gets affected by it, it's the people around you. Um... And even the, the picture, I suppose, says a thousand words. You know, how many people just get to the end where they've spent thousands and thousands of euro on an addiction and they're not happy, they're not satisfied, their life is broken, they've ruined their families, their kids are gone, they've wrecked their marriage, they've, you know, they're up to their necks in debt because of it. You know, medically they're in a mess. And they just get to the place where there's no no other place to go. When they go to the doctor, the doctor really doesn't have any answers for them because the doctor is never trying to make an addict better. He's only trying to make him feel better. He, he, he's not actually trying to get him free of the drugs. He, he will change him uh, the drugs he's on, but he's not actually trying to get him off them. Uh, they used to do that. It used to be if a heroin addict showed up to a doctor, you would have to do three detoxes, first of all, before they would put you on a methadone maintenance. Nowadays, there's no detox. You have to just go on a maintenance straight away. So there's a change in philosophy because they didn't get, weren't being successful. One of the, the dangerous drugs, that's one of the newer drugs that's out at the moment, is methadone. Um, and it's not the same as methadone. Methadone is the heroin substitute. This is methadone, and it's sold as plant food, and it's taken uh, and powdered and snorted and injected and stuff like that. 
but the effects on the body are absolutely uh, so damaging for somebody. Um, some of the effects of it are paranoia, insomnia, confusion, depression, convulsions, mood swings, palpitations, a loss of appetite, hallucinations, psychiatric problems. Uh, it's a hugely popular drug. Um, then you have crystal meth. Um, now, you will all know crystal meth, and it's not really in Ireland too much. The odd time we get a little bit of it, um, but uh, it's only starting to come in now. There's been TV programs about it. Does anybody remember what the TV program is called? Breaking Bad. Okay, you shouldn't be watching that program. <laughs> but uh, Breaking Bad's about a school teacher, and um, he ends up being, uh, he's a chemistry teacher. He ends up making crystal meth. Crystal meth is a hugely, hugely powerful drug and very, very damaging. Uh, it's In America, it's one of the most used drugs, and it is absolutely destroys people. Now, what do you think this is out of? Breaking Bad? This is now Breaking Bad. This is out of Clondalkin in, in, in Dublin. Uh, this was a couple of months ago. They found a crystal meth lab in Clondalkin in Dublin, and uh, this is them coming over after, after uh, catching it because it's the, the fumes off are toxic. It's made with lots of household items, um, and, you know, sometimes it can explode and different things like that. But you can't just go in. You have to have a breathing apparatus when you're going into it. Uh, usually damaging. But this is in Dublin. This is in, in Clondalkin, just down, just across from Tala, uh, this year. This year. So that looks like, some, you know, something out of a movie. But I suppose that's the way things are going. Um, you can use it a number of different ways. Um, these are the effects of some of these drugs. These are, are sites from injecting. Um, as you can see, it doesn't look good on somebody's on somebody's body. Absolutely destroys your veins, and you will find a lot of people end up losing limbs from it, um, especially with continued use, and just usually damaging. Um, big sores appear. Remember, they're synthetic drugs; they're man-made. They don't break down well, so when somebody is putting them in them, they actually end up having to come out, and that's what it looks like. But they're a snare of the devil. And you can see in the background the picture of the hook. Nobody, when they start out going down this road, ever thinks they're going to get hooked. That's not what they're planning for. They're planning for fun and excitement to fit in, to do what the crowd is doing. And we know that the crowd don't always do the right thing. It's a snare of the devil. Um, we know when you're going down that road, you don't see what it's going to do. It's concealed. It's... You know, it's really damaging, and it's not just damaging on the individual. It's damaging on the family, on the community, and in a sense, in the country as a whole, pays the price for addiction. You know, uh, out of the money you pay in tax, uh, a lot of it goes for uh, services to people with problems, and it needs to be like that, but the reality is that, you know, it's just an ever-increasing problem uh, in in the day and, age, day and age which we live. There is no towns that are... Uh, hidden from it, it used to be that you would get it in the big cities and it wouldn't really be in the little towns. Nowadays, drug use is in every town all over Ireland. Nowhere is protected from it. Uh, no family, it doesn't matter whether you're brought in a rich family or a poor family, uh, the reality is that, that drugs and alcohol can affect your life and affect your children and your children's children. We need to be aware of it. We need to know what it does. Um, it has two effects, mainly... Uh, physical effects that would be in your body and then the psychological effects of the mind. There are some drugs when you're detoxing off them that have physical withdrawal symptoms and then there's other ones that only have psychological withdrawals. They can feel very physical at the time but only psychological withdrawals and some drugs that definitely they would both have both. Um, this is a poem. Boils and abscesses plague the skin. Gnawing pain racks the body. Nerves snap, vicious twi twitching develops. Imaginary and fantastic fears blight the mind. And sometimes complete insanity results. Oftentimes, too, death comes. Much too early in life. Such is the torment of being a drug addict. Such is the plague of being one of the walking dead. You know, um, addicts need help. Okay, people with addiction need help. 
and you know that you support me to help people with addictions, and, and I appreciate that. Um, but you know, it's always a battle. It's always a, a war when you're fighting with, with people with addictions. Um, they, you know, addiction can have such a hold on them. Satan can have such a, a powerful influence on them when they're coming off it, they're going through withdrawals and stuff like that. And it can be absolutely torture for somebody when they're trying to get off it. But you know what? It's like when you when you think about how bad things are now, you, you do be thinking to yourself, well, what are things going to be like in 10 years' time? And I suppose I've been, been thinking about that. And uh, you see a picture of a dead elephant. Maybe the elephant's on drugs. What do you think? But he is. <laughs> um, if you look here, that's morphine. Uh, that's the strength of morphine. Heroin is twice as strong as morphine, all right? And then fentanyl is uh, is a drug that's being mixed with different drugs. Uh, a couple of people died in, in Ireland um, last year from it that was mixed in drugs that they bought. And you say, well, why would a, a, drug, a drug dealer mix something that's 100 times stronger than heroin or 50 times stronger than heroin uh, in my heroin? It's because if you have the best stuff, people will want to buy your stuff. Okay, That's just the way. When word goes around, you have the best stuff. So they've started mixing fentanyl in my heroin, and it's a usually powerful drug. Now, in America, what they've started to do is they've started to notice when they're testing the drugs that carfentanil is a drug that basically is used for um, putting elephants to sleep. Um, was found in opiates, and it was wiping out lots of people in a particular town. I can't remember the name of the town. I should have wrote it down. But uh, usually problematic. So what you're finding is that the drugs, the strength of the drugs increase. Because remember, if you start on a drug today, you build up a tolerance to that drug, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whatever, or heroin, whatever it might be. And, you know, maybe one bag used to do you. But then after a couple of months, one bag doesn't do you. You need two bags. And then after a couple of months, you need three bags, and it just keeps increasing. Your tolerance goes up for the drugs that you need. So they're always looking for different ways to increase the strength uh, of the drugs that they're selling. So addiction, where does it end? Well, it either ends in death or it ends in life. You know what? God wants to make the addict free. Um, this is what the Bible says. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall behold him at the cords of... What's the next word? Not sins. His sins. It's our own, it's our own problems that we get caught with. The Bible says uh, it's our own lusts that we get enticed by. You know, it's nobody else's. You know, we ultimately get what we want and uh, we do what we want. And it's we get hold of them at the cords of, our, of his sins. It's our own issues. And uh, oftentimes, you know, we somebody that's caught in an addiction, what are they thinking? They think there's no escape. They think there's no hope and there's no future. And they, they don't see that many people that get off drugs and stay off drugs and it's a huge usually difficult uh, thing to beat uh, and only by the grace of God will somebody beat it and stay off it and stay clean and stay healthy um, so what's the remedy well use Noah here you know what somebody needs a new heart because remember it's the thinking that's the problem uh, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you you know I need God to come into these addicts lawyers to save them and give them a new heart isn't that what Saul needed when he first became king he was terrified of being the king. And what did God do? God says he gave him a new heart. God can give us a new heart. Change the way we think. Change the way we act. Change where we go when we have problems. We don't have to go back to a drug or, an, or alcohol or some substance to get through it. We can go to God, but we need a new heart. We need God to change the way we think. You know, sin is missing the mark, falling short, and we, addiction is just sin. Um, I'm going to skip through some of these because we are way over time and, and I'm done. You know, God is holy, righteous, good and, and love. Uh, man on his own is just sinful, lost, guilty and unclean. We need God to step in, holding forth a word of life. Um, Bible says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You know what? God can make somebody free. He can break those chains in their lives and break that addiction so they never go back. But you know what? It's not easy. And you know what? When you have somebody come into the church and they're caught up in it and they're up and down, they're falling and they're getting back up, it's not easy to beat an addiction. 
it's sometimes been, been, you know, 10, 20 years of living a certain way and then they're having to act differently without the power of God in their lives and God changing the way they are. It's very, very difficult to not go back, you know, um, and the devil is all over somebody. But we need to be aware because the communities we're trying to reach have a lot of, a lot of people in them that are affected by drugs and alcohol. And the more aware we are of the people that we're helping, uh, the better equipped we will be to reach them. Um, so we are pretty much done. I'm going to be hanging around if anybody has questions uh, that I can answer. Um, but there's hope for the addict. And I'm way over time, so there is hope for the addict, right? <laughs> um, so we'll leave it there.